Welcome to another episode of New Savages Spirituality. I'm Simon. And I'm John. Just two brothers on a journey, hoping you'll join us. And this week we have the pleasure of welcoming a good friend of ours, Mahesh. Hello. Hey, Mahesh. Hey, brother. Thank you for coming on. So I'm going to fire things off tonight, Mahesh. And um, I'm really curious, what's your backstory, mate? Where, Where are you coming from and what brought you to this point here? Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast and I've been an avid listener. And, um, so I feel really, I really, I feel really honored to be on here. Um, I respect you guys greatly and, um, you're doing great stuff. And so, so thank you. Well, thank you, brother. Oh, thank really you, appreciate mate. that yeah. coming from you for sure. And again, I'm going to apologize to anybody out there. Um, as I start to listen to John, my accent will become more and more Australian as, as we go on. So I've already I've already pre-apologized to him for that. Anything that's slightly different from my accent, I will mimic. Um, but yeah, my um, you know, look, uh, my backstory is n- not dissimilar to yours, John and Simon. Really, you know, I'll be really honest, you know, and open and frank with you. And um, you know, I'm 46, and I am a dad. I'm now a granddad. And, um, <laughs> you know, I started, uh, I come from a really humble background, you know, I'm the eldest of six kids. We lived on a council estate and, um, in the South of England in Bournemouth and, um, I've lived here all my life, you know, and, um, uh, you know, it, we had, you know, pretty standard upbringing. Um, my parents divorced when I was, I was fairly young. Um, and so I had a stepdad, I had a, you know, the disc, discon disconnected family unit from quite early on um and i think um right from the very beginning there was when i when i look back on it i think there was little triggers and stuff that started formulating and patterns of behavior that started formulating right then um but yeah i um became a hairdresser and i left school at 16 straight into an apprenticeship you know left school on the friday monday morning started my apprenticeship so this is my 30th year of cutting hair and um you know by the time i was 25 we skip well, i'll skip a whole big bit of that by the time i was 20 by the time i was 25 i was i was um married i had a daughter called ella um i had my set i was in my second bought property uh, so I had a mortgage. I had a salon with eight eight stylists, a beautician, and juniors, um, and was running my whole thing um, by myself. And um, I had a, a lot going on at twenty five. And all my friends used to say to me, "At twenty five, you you know you're where most blokes want to be by the time they're forty. You know you you sort of mm, yeah. you know you, when you look at it, I looked at it and went, oh yeah, sort of I've sort of completed life." <laughs> you know, I sort of maxed out at twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd had a tattoo, I'd had a piercing, I got a business, I got a mortgage, I got a, a daughter, I got a wife. You, you should have retired, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, instead of retiring at thirty, I had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> so, oh, it, dude. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's that's where that goes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Five years in, I was smoking, drinking. Uh, not living a very particularly healthy lifestyle and um yeah i just i was i was married to a, a woman that i met when i was 19 years old uh and uh at, at 18 i 
left home. So um, I've been independent for a long time. And I basically uh, married the first woman who told me she loved me. And um, that's because that's what I was what I was looking for. I was looking for sure. that. Yeah. Uh, so this you know, this this young woman at 21 when I was 19, she told me she loved me. Well, I was like, that's it. Job done. <laughs> Gonna marry you then. <laughs> and I and I um and that's what we did. We got married. We got married at I was 22. And um, but what happened was I I felt like I was an adult at 22 because. At 18, I'd been living from 18 years old. I've been living on my own. So um, I think, and being the eldest of six kids, I was the unpaid help from about 15 years old. So, you know, I think I got to a point at 30 where I was just, I was fucking spent. Yeah. Done. I'm done. I'm living with a woman. I'm living with a woman I don't recognize anymore as the person I married because she wasn't her and I wasn't me. I wasn't the guy she married and she certainly wasn't the woman I married, you know, and, um, I had the responsibility of, of everything, you know, um, and it was a really weird, we, we, you know, as a relationship, from a relationship point of view, you know, we, we, we hadn't, you know, we hadn't had a proper relationship for a long time. And I then went out to Australia, um, to think about moving out there. And then I took, uh, my ex-wife and my daughter and then my one-year-old son with me um and we went out and we were going to live in a place called uh Kurumbin, which is on the east coast of australia i know Kurumbin. you know Kurumbin, yeah, yeah it's a great place great surf there yeah and um uh so there was Coolangatta and Kurumbin and all that yeah. there and we were looking at moving there and um got my permanent residency and back then um in the like early 2020 in the early 20s um you could get you know a visa f- for cutting hair <laughs> you know, you I know had, it, are you still care po- yeah on the point system yeah, i was the same there. as a nurse yeah you know it was a crazy thing so i and i was self-employed so i had to do a lot of background work to get that visa yeah because it wasn't <laughs> like you had a boss and they could just vouch for you you know you can't just vouch for yourself so i had to get all this, all this written paperwork from clients to say that i was okay so that's where we were going to go. We were going to go to Australia and live there. Um, and then while we were out there looking for somewhere to settle, um, you know, we realized really quickly that, you know, it wasn't the location, it was the relation. And um, I think that's what happens a lot of times when you hit, when I ever hear people say, oh, we're going to move away, it'd be good for us, you know, fresh start. I always think, oh, you're taking the same people with you. And what people say the worst thing they say, we're going to have a baby. That'll make things better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyone who's ever had a child, who ever hears that statement, will always say, oh, my God, what are you what talking about? What the fuck? <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. That's not going to strengthen your relationship, buddy. No. It's going to fucking put a strain on it. Yeah. You know what? I always said that I should uh, start, I was going to start a website so called so you think you want to be a parent.com and what <laughs> right and what, what what you do for the weekend is um so the week beforehand you're not allowed to have more than two hours sleep a night and then someone will drop their child off to you you're not allowed you're not allowed any money you're not allowed, any money. You're not allowed a car and for a whole weekend while you're tired with no money and no vehicle 
yeah. you've got to look after this crying baby and you've got to make sure your child has diarrhea or something as well. Yeah. And then what, what happens is they hand the baby back and then you book them in for a private vasectomy. <laughs> 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 That's where the money starts rolling in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think you've got a niche there, Mahesh, yeah. for sure. Do you know what? I think the only issue was people just pimping their children out to strangers. That was so they can have a weekend off. <laughs> yeah, so they can have a weekend off. Yeah. Yeah. It, what, it's, for me, it seemed to work all round, but there were some fundamental clauses and, and flaws in that in that idea. But you know, yeah. I digress massively. Sorry, guys. No, it was good. No, no, it's, it's good, yeah. really, and. It's all relevant. I mean, for me, it resonates straight away with what you're saying. You know, I was married for 11 years. And as you grow up and you change, if the other person kind of moves and changes in a different way, it's so easy to to not really even recognize that person or almost resent them. They just, you know, it's that thing of if you met that person now, would you still get together with yeah. them and quite often the, the answer is no you know and Esther Perel always says about and you know John's referenced this yeah. before in the podcast that you can have six or seven different relationships within your lifestyle or however many sometimes that can be with the same person yeah. because you do change and as you change you're going to either grow together or grow apart so I mean yeah I mean that resonates for me so much I mean I'm very similar I mean I'm I'm 47 and I met my wife when I was 17 and we've been together since we were 17. This month, actually, is our 30th anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, fully. I will say that, like, and she would tell you this too, is that we've had to do a lot of work to, to, to keep our relationship to this point because you do, you're constantly evolving, you're constantly changing. And I'll be real honest, she's always been a step ahead of me. I don't know how she's put up with me, to be quite frank. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm constantly playing catch-up with her. Yeah, you know, as I'm very lucky that she's a patient woman, <laughs> because um, her understanding of the world is, is is phenomenal. So when I finally reach it, and I I bring these points up to her. She's like, "Well, yeah, you get it now." You know, she's never. Well, like you know, my my wife right now, we know Bhavani. You know, her and I have been together for like 14 years now, and <clears throat> I play catch up with her on a daily basis. You know, yeah. I try, my ego won't let allow that me to say that out loud to <laughs> I, I feel like on the enlightenment stages you know yeah. you know you want to be a rung ahead of somebody but um you know i have to bow down to her and um, and, and know that yeah yeah it's divine yeah. feminine brother we, we have to acknowledge that shit you know yeah. It, yeah. it's just they're so connected to source in a way that we're not to be fair uh look she'll say mike sarah will say something to me at any given time and it'll be like, like a light switch going off in my head and everything will just sort of drop into place and um mm. and i think to myself jesus you know it's just mind-blowing how, how untuned she is with things yeah you know yeah and uh I think, and, I, and i think they i think they i think they <laughs> sorry i think you know if you're in a uh you know if you're in a relationship like that i mean not everyone's in a you know in a in a, a heterosexual relationship yeah. but you know us three guys are and i you know so i have i have a very empowered wife she's massively in her power she knows where she is what she's doing where she's coming from where she's going yeah. more to the point and um and she sees she sees me much clearer than i see me Mm, yeah 100 percent. but i don't see her as clearly as she sees her 
<laughs> you know, you know why? You know why? Why? Because I'm too busy fucking looking at myself. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really accurate one, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. the male ego. That is. That's yeah. the male ego. Right. I'm too busy looking in the mirror, looking at myself, while she's studying me, yeah. looking at myself in the mirror. And then when I look at her, I think, oh, I can see my reflection of myself in her glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. The honesty comes out. <laughs> oh, that's good. <clears throat> yeah. And, 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 that, and that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the truth of it. That's mm. the truth of it is that, you know, that, you know, 10 years ago, um, I wouldn't have even known that that's what was happening. And yeah. um, more to the point, I certainly wouldn't have told anybody else about it. And I certainly I could probably 100% agree with you there as well. Yeah, I, I think um, well, I, over the last couple of years, I've really learned how horrifically damaging my ego is and yeah. how, how I will do or did almost anything to feed it. Um, so I'm kind of grateful that I've got the presence now to say, actually, you know, pack it in. Yeah, and I think I think part of my problem, I think, as I was getting older in my in my first marriage, was that my my first wife would basically let me do whatever I wanted, you know, and that was her her version of supporting me was to go, I'm not going to hold you back from anything. You want to do something, go and do it. I, I don't. I'm not on that. I'm not. I'm not with you. Yeah. but I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. And um, I think part of that was like my ego stepping in and going, hold on a minute. Why are you not, why am I not coming home to like whistles and bells? You know, like why are you not interested in how many, how much money I've taken this week from all the staff and how, you know, how well my business is doing. She, all she was interested in was, you know, the kids at home, have we got enough to pay the mortgage? You no, know, blah, blah, blah. Are we going on holiday this year? Yeah. And actually she's a really good mum. And she actually was, when in reflection, in hindsight, you know, she was supporting me. She because she was letting me have the freedom that a lot of couples don't show each other. And I, I had my, I had, you know, people say, oh, he's got a loose leash or he's got a long leash. I had no leash. Like I, I had the freedom to do and express myself. And I think the problem was I wasn't looking for a wife. I was looking for a mum. Yeah. At that point, mm, yeah. you know, I was, I was looking for somebody to tell me what to do. Tell me off when. I, tell me when I was going to come home, and that's what I was missing. I was missing that motherly figure, you yeah. know. And I, like I say, you know, I married the first person who told me she loved me. And now I've grown, and now I've become a, a man, not a, not a not a man child. Yeah. Um, I recognise I have to own my own shit. Mm. You know, I love when, that saying. You know, I have to own it. And do you know what? When I when we talk about owning our own shit. It's not, we always think of like the bad stuff, you know, you have to own your jealousy, you have to own your, your, um, the, the lack of empathy, your own, own this, own that. But actually, you also have to own all the stuff you're fucking good at as well. Like, yeah. I, do you know what? I, the, the most comfortable people I've known in my life, that they have an air about them that you just can't put your finger on. They're the people that recognize what they're good at and they recognize what, they need to work on yeah. simultaneously and for me that is where i'm desperately clawing my way to is you know not being not being cocky and overconfident but just owning it 
and that has a nice it has a really subtle energy that does and that's what my wife has like and that's why she's great to be around because she owns it all yeah and when she gets frustrated with me i know that i've really i've really fucked up <laughs> because, <Yeah>. cause, because, <laughs> because she's in her power and she she recognizes you know hey, i can take that shit from him i can take that shit from him that's his not mine that's his not mine and then eventually he goes do you know what oh no no more no <laughs> <laughs> fuck no now you're making it all about mine yeah. <laughs> and um and that little boy of me comes out then yeah <laughs> yeah it's such a funny one, isn't it? It's such a weird dichotomy of what we perceive as arrogance and how we project that onto others. Whereas, as you as you say, like you know, societally, we, we're so quick to like. If I were to say to any one of you or anyone really or most people, like look in the mirror and tell me ten negative things about yourself, like boom, 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 boom. But then if you flip that, tell me ten positive things. Most people are really going to struggle, and if they didn't, you know. Fucking arrogant prick or something, mm. but but it's not. It is actually about honouring every bit of us, understanding the light and the dark, and there's not one without the other. And that, like you know, people want to be around us. You know, naturally, people want to um, gravitate towards us, and and actually looking at ourselves and saying, yeah, I do have these skills to offer, not in a cocky way, but it's just I can own that. Yeah, I do have these things that are nice for the people to be around and vice versa. You know, it's reciprocal. And when we are projecting stuff onto others, we're only mirroring our own insecurities anyway. Yeah. So it really is that acceptance in me as the acceptance in you. And, mm. you know, understanding the oneness of all of us, really, that kind of it, it transcends the egoic, <laughs> I'm good looking, you're ugly or any of that shit. It's, yeah. it, I mean, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's there's so many layers to unpack of childhood trauma of ah, you know yeah. school experiences being picked on and all those things but and you, i think that's what we're all aiming for isn't yeah. it yeah and you're carrying all that shit around with you all the time you know just because it you know you think i'm 47 years old now so things that happen to me at school don't impact me anymore well that's absolute nonsense they're still going to impact you and they're going to carry on impacting you until you get to the nitty-gritty and heal yourself of course it is, John, yeah. because do you know the, the best test of that is 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 um, to have a child and then ask you who bullied you at school and what's his name? And you say, Richard, and you go, okay, let's name him Richard. <laughs> and you would say no. <laughs> you would say no, not because you don't like the name Richard, yeah. because of the, 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 the thing that you associated with the name Absolutely, Richard. Absolutely, yeah. With the trauma that you carry yeah. with just that name. Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, what's really madness is my wife at one point wanted to call one of our children Kieran. And I, I at school, I had a, there was a kid called Kieran who used to bully me, and I hated him. But what made it even more difficult was when I was living in Australia, I met a guy called Kieran, and he was one of the loveliest people I'd ever encountered in my life. <laughs> so it, there was this real dilemma in my, in my, you know, my mind going, oh, well, what's this all about? This guy's called Karen and he's actually a lovely fucker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it, it's absolutely accurate. It, it, you're, you're so linked to that, that past, you know, that that's all you can associate it with. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think that's where we you know when I got, to, like I say, when I got to 30, I, I, I got to a point where I, I was carrying lots of stuff around with me, um, lots of trauma and I hadn't done any work on it. Just, just gone to work. 
Yeah. And I was doing 60, 70 hour weeks every week and not taking any time off. And and then the pinnacle was like, I, I got up one morning and I was supposed to turn right in my car and I turned left. And then um, I don't really recall about four hours of that segment of that day. I woke up, I came to in a car park because a policeman was knocking on my window asking me if I was okay. And I've been sat in a car park for three hours and I don't recall it at all. Wow. And I'd driven to Dorchester for everybody else that knows that probably takes me about an hour to get there. Yeah. Um, that's nowhere near where I was going. Um, and I've been sat, apparently people have been saying like, this guy's been sat in that car. He hasn't moved. Like he's just looking out the window and someone had uh, pulled a policeman over and, um, he knocked on my window and asked me what was going on. And, um, yeah, I'd, um, had people calling the hospitals looking for me because I didn't turn up to work, which meant I had clients who were walking in going, well, where is he? And they staff saying, we don't know. Yeah. And I, and I remember coming home and just crying <laughs> and saying to my wife, you know, like, I'm just so, I'm so unhappy. Um, and her saying, I don't understand what's the matter with you. Like, I just don't get it. And I was like, that's it. That's it. You don't get it. Yeah. And, and you don't get me. I don't get you. And you're there. And I, I mean, I, I talked to my daughter not so long ago, Ella, and she even said to me, you know, God, Dad, when I look at you two now, I'm like, how did that ever work? Like, how did that, how did that, how did that happen? Like, yeah. you know, you're so, you, you can't be, I mean, we, on every subject, we have an, a different opinion about <laughs> everything. There's, no, there's no common ground. The only common ground we had was that we both we both felt that the sofa that we bought was quite comfy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was about it. <laughs> um, and you know, and, it, and so I I, I, started, I lived in a bedsit, so I went to a bedsit, and and at my worst point, I was I was smoking heavily. I was drinking probably. I'm probably drinking two bottles of red wine, one or two bottles of red wine every night. Wow. And I was drinking spirits as well um, the weekend um, for quite a few months. And then I um, moved into a house um, near to where I was working. I'd left my business. I walked away from it. I pretty much sold it for nothing. I gave, almost gave it away. I went and worked for my old boss. And um, he owned a few properties and he rented me one of his houses. Um, and my brother Matthew had just come out of a long-term relationship. And my youngest brother, Kieran, uh, my youngest brother, Ashley, who now lives in New Zealand, um, wanted to move out of home. So the three of us moved into this house together. So I was with my brothers. And the, for me, it was like, well, when I have my children to the house, at least it's their uncles. Yeah. And um, it was like I was in a shared house with people I didn't know. I could have my children there. Um, we called it Dick Lodge um, <laughs> because obviously that was, yeah, you know, that's the only thing that was there. Um, three dickheads, and um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, we we lived together there. And but um, yeah, I just had I had you know I had the children every other weekend or every weekend at that point. And during the week though, I just um, yeah drinking heavily and just not functioning as a, a grown up very well. Mm. Um, and that went on for quite a few years. And then 
had to clean my act up. And um, and then I I met Bavani at the salon. And uh, a few years goes by, and um, yeah, I clean up my act, and I look. I'm looking for. I'm looking for some male support because I felt like I'd gone through a lot and I needed to vent and I didn't know who to vent to. Yeah. I don't really have a, I don't have a relationship with my dad. Um, my brothers are, are lovely. I love my brothers, but we're not, I don't feel like our relationships are there. So um, I, 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 I was looking for some, like some sort of male support groups and it was great if you're an alcoholic or it was great if you, you know, you were on heroin or something or, but it was just just a just a mindful meditation group I was looking for, um, and I found the Buddhist temple near me, and I was been going to that. I've been going to a Quaker meetings as well. No way! So similar to Simon's story. Been going, yeah. <laughs> but, but, at, but at nineteen, at nineteen, I when I first met my first wife, I I'd been going to the spiritualist church, and um, and I was joined. I was a member of the meditation circle there and a healing circle and i've been doing healing uh circles there um from 19 years old 20 years old so i was i've been in that circle and then dropped in and out of these things you know and then the buddhist movement took me into the yoga because i went i was running and i gave myself sciatica because i hurt my knee and was displacing my body and physio said go and do some yoga and um i found that i i liked the philosophy more than the physical side of it and the philosophy sat so closely to the buddhist philosophy but without but the yogic for me the yogic felt less bells and whistles and with buddhism there's a there's a there's a lot of a lot of that you know and it has certain things that we've done in a very particular way and so I felt that it, it suited me. And um, so, yeah, I've been practicing yoga for 10 years now. Um, been a teacher for three. Um, but took my took me a long time to get to the point where um, I recognized in the barbershop where I was working, like, there is, there is no help out there for guys that just, that don't, that does, that don't want the woo-woo side of life. They don't want they don't want someone coming in and dousing saging them yeah and then getting them to, getting them to hold a crystal and then you know getting them in the lotus position and then you know um, some some guys don't want that they just want to walk into a room and just tell people how they feel um, so and because of the way I looked you know I was covered in tattoos and I had a big beard and worked in a barbershop it didn't feel woo woo to a lot of guys although I probably was more woo woo than they were. Yeah, um, and you know that's when sort of all us men came about, really, because um, it, you know if you if 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 it's not there, maybe you have to do it for yourself. For uh, sure, absolutely, you find it. Yeah. So yeah, tell us about all us men then, please. So it's obviously it's over three years old now, isn't it? Uh, we're four and a half years old now. Is it four and a half, dude? Yeah. Shit. Of course, we lost a year to bloody COVID, didn't we? Yeah. So. Yeah, you're not counting 2020, are you? No. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I we've been in contact for a good couple of years, more than that now, I think. Yeah. And um, I was going to do that retreat that you were doing, you know, last a, a year last April, wasn't it? Yeah. 
But yeah, so yeah, tell us a bit about Wallace Men. I'd love to hear about that, please, bro. Yeah, so fundamentally, it was based around the yoga tradition, the philosophy, the sutras of Patanjali. Um, and so when I sat down and thought, well, how, how do I, how do I set this out? Like, you know, what, what, what's it, what is it going to be about? You know, so I, I meditated on it really just sat and just meditated on what, what I felt was right for a group of men. First of all, that came to me was like, you know, you need some principles, like all movements, all religions, all philosophies have principles. And I thought, well, I need some cornerstones to this to support it. So the four cornerstones to all us men is that um, there's compassion, there's non-judgment, um, respect, and finally, truth. Yeah. And I, for me, Beautiful. those for me those four things, everything stems from those four things. Pretty much everything that you would want from a person or from life in general would stem from those four things you know for someone yeah, to be truth, truthful with you and respectful towards you and be compassionate towards you and to not judge you really ultimately else well, i don't know what else you would want from them really and um, and so that was it that was that was the day one that was the four cornerstones of what all us men should be fundamentally about and that was all i was going to ask from you is that you know that when you walk through the door those four things they're in your mind and in your heart and that's it and we'll work through the rest of it and all us men have has evolved you know it's evolved from a sunday night once a week circle to you know um doing yoga together going on bike rides together swimming in the sea surfing in the sea doing retreats going on walks and all sorts of things and just just became bigger and bigger and it morphed as we were all growing and evolving so did the group, you know, and um, and really, all us men is about all of that, you know. It's about yeah. growing, growing together. We, I've literally just come from um, a retreat, day retreat um, on the thirty first of October. We had a day retreat, um, so that was on Sunday, and we had there was twenty six of us together for a day, and you know we had some Tai Chi in the morning. We had some breakfast together um, and then we had um, a bit about journaling and then we talked about what journaling would do for us and what how it works and we had a share circle. We had some lunch together and then we did a meditation session and then they had a gong bath and then they all went home completely zoned out. And mm. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it is I, awesome. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, one of the fundamental things I, I wanted to get across to these guys, and there's some guys there that had never done anything before. They'd, met, they'd found us on, on social media and they were just coming along and just having a punt and just, I'm just going to try it, see if it fits for me. And you know what I said to these guys was that when you get to a certain age, it's hard to make friends. Mm. okay when you're at school you're all banded together when you're at college you're banded and i mean i didn't do university i did the, the university of life um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know people who've done university always say that they're they're some of their closest friends because you sort of go from being a teenager to a grown-up and you you know you're there because you 
you choose that subject matter so you've always got something in common um whereas when you go to school the only reason you're friends with that kid is because your mum and dad live close to their mum and dad yeah so you're at the same school yeah um but all us men i said to them you know when you come here and when you join a group that's number one sober and number two has those principles behind it it what it means is that when you become friends with this man when you become friends with another man in this room or in this group, your friendship is based around those four pillars, mm. those four things. Your friendship isn't based around the fact that you both love Liverpool Football Club or yeah. about you both love squash or you both love titties or you both have the same porn you know, site that you both like or you both like wearing corduroy, you know, whatever it might be. You know, <laughs> the, your friendship is so deep and so well woven into your DNA of that other person because you've shared in that group. That person knows deep, deep things about you that you wouldn't have probably shared with other people. That person in that group has watched you cry, has held you, has held your hand, has chanted with you, has danced with you, has done yoga with you, has eaten food with you has perhaps been sat in silence with you for a, an hour and not said anything but just sat by your side and mm. they're friend <clears throat> that's friendships that are forever yeah oh dude i couldn't even agree more it's yeah. i mean obviously like i said we've known one another for a while and yeah we've connected we've talked on the phone yeah during lockdown yeah. you did the the kind of the the yoga course where we had the movement and the kind of history of the different the pillars of it basically with the raga raga yoga raga uh, raja yoga i can't even speak now and the karma yoga etc etc and all the movement sides of it and um you know i mean i started as a buddhist i started my dharma group um because being of service is one of the things that buddhists do but also it was seeing what you were doing and the beauty of it and you know, when we finally did connect and, and we met on a few different occasions and you came to one of my groups, I came to the, the what did you call it? The summer retreat where we camped yeah, together. Yeah. And like what you say is so, so true that, you know, like a lot of those, I mean, some of you guys, you and Stump and people like that, I've met a few times, but some of the other ones I literally met on that weekend and we still connect via the internet you know still we still connect we're still there like i've met michael once and he voice notes me like actually i've met him a couple more times actually he came to see me here but like he still sends me voice messages and other people send me messages you know brian and i don't you know there's too many to even mention yeah so that connection and what you're you you just nailed it is that we were vulnerable you know we we danced around the campfire and it, there was no ego it was about I see you, you see me, and the the kind of real spirit of what masculinity is, not about bullshit, but about really being able to, you know, I'm I'm okay. Sometimes I'm not okay. I'm real, and and everyone else is real, rather than this kind of this wall, this barrier of I've got to project this toxic masculine side to me of that I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm going to put you down because I don't feel okay. Mm. There's none of that shit. And it's so, so important at the moment that we do feel that. And these friendships, as you said, they're, they're kind of lifelong and they're not, they're not based on um, ego. They're not based on projections. They're not based on you must fulfill this need for me. It's just based on open, honest 
vulnerability and communication so yeah I mean I resonate with that like more than you'd know and I like I loved everyone that was there and you know I craved to be around those people again and mm. you know the sangha the uh, the spiritual community is so so important that we do revitalize ourselves and I feel that now I'm very lucky that most people that I align with we do have these conversations because I'm not in a place to just talk bullshit to just mm. have arbitrary you know let, let's just be I know talking about there's nothing wrong with football but I just I don't want to be having the the pissed up football conversations or the <laughs> I fucked that girl last night I want it to yeah. be deeper yeah. and um and I, I wanted to kind of ask you about this because obviously there's so many bloody mirrors with me and you it's it's, it's yeah. like beyond belief yeah but um one of the <clears throat> the real shifts in me recently has been probably over the last year that I suppose I've compartmentalized things that this is my um, spiritual work in like inverted commas. Yeah. I do the, the Dharma group. I now do the podcast. I do the retreats with John and this is my job. And it's like, no bullshit. The role of my barber in terms of breaking down misogyny, breaking down toxic masculinity is equally as important. And if I'm going to be honest and if I'm going to be vulnerable and actually to, to be aligned with my true self, then the conversations I'm having like now with you guys has to be the same conversations in the barber chair, not in a, in your face, like overtly, I'm going to try and indoctrinate you, but that, um, you know, we always say, call you in. I've said that in the podcast repeatedly, that if someone is being sexist, I'm going to call them on that. If mm -hmm. someone isn't acting in a way that I think is okay. If someone's homophobic, if someone's racist, I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to be nasty to them, but I have to allow, um, what my beliefs are to, to come across in everywhere, every area of my life and not be like, oh shit, I can't say that because they're paying me bullshit. I've got to be authentic. And I actually think as well that when we allow ourselves to shine through, people are opening up and it's so important. You know, I mean, you know that I'm part of um, the Barber Alliance Collective that looks yeah. at suicide prevention within, the, you know, the role of the barber. And I'm sure, I, mean, I suppose I've, I've gone on a little bit, but the question is, have you managed to integrate that into your life so that the way you are in the barbershop is reflected in as it would be with all us men? Yeah. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does make, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, like, um, trying to work out how many years ago we started, uh, gentlemen and rogues, but, uh, six, seven years ago, or whatever it was now. Um, and that was all about, you know, lads, 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 you know, the chalkboard yeah. outside still says the same thing as what I wrote on it when we first opened, which was uh, strong banter, great haircuts. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and it was all about, you know, lads, 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 you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, so like tits and fannies and football in it. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say carburetor for no reason. Carburetor. <laughs> and, um, and I think what happened was I, I I came out of hairdressing because I was fed up with being a straight white male surrounded by lots of lots and lots of women and just not being heard at all or being seen and just being one of the girls. And, um, you know, and I didn't want to be one of the fucking girls. I wasn't one of the girls and I didn't want to be one of them. And I think what happens is that I then started to feel resentful about having conversations about, I think there was a pinnacle one day I was cutting someone's hair, lady's hair. It was Wednesday afternoon. She'd had her hair colored and 
cut and she was slagging her husband off and saying that what a lazy bastard he was whilst she was sat there on a midweek day having 140 quids worth of work done on her and reading the magazine and drinking a cappuccino. And I thought, hold on. And I just went to her. I went, hold on a minute. <laughs> and she went, what? I went, you're sat here having your hair done, drinking cappuccino and reading magazines while your husband's at work and you're telling me that he's lazy. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> and she said to me, I'm sorry, what are you saying to me? <laughs> I went, I think, you can, I think you can hear what I'm saying to you. <laughs> uh, at, at that point, I had this moment of enlightenment where I was like, I need to, I need to leave. I need to leave very quickly, and I need to get out of this. This is too much. I can't, I can't listen to this anymore. I can't, I can't agree with this woman anymore. I can't agree with all these Karens that were coming in. <laughs> and I just couldn't have it. I couldn't cope with it any longer. Um, I was going to have my second breakdown. <laughs> and I thought, right, that's it. Um, so I just needed to be around some. I just just needed to be around some people who's just I recognized as me, you know, I just wanted to be around some, some blokes and I spent my entire life from 16 years old up until that point, just in a, all my, all my colleagues were female, all my clients were female. Everybody I associated with was female, you know, and I just, I had no male friends. I'd lost all my male friends. You know, even when I was really good friends with people at work, if she's a straight woman and I'm a straight guy and we've both got our own partners and I say to her, do you want to go and watch Spider-Man at the movies? Cause you like Spider-Man. So do I, and we go out together. That's a date. Mm. The society sees it. We're on a date and my wife doesn't like it. And her husband doesn't like it because we're dating each other <laughs> we're yeah. date because she's straight. I'm straight. If I was as camp as Christmas and the gayest man ever to walk this earth, then he would he would have been perfectly happy with me taking his wife out to see Spider Man. I don't know why I keep saying Spider Man, but um, <laughs> any any all Marvel all Marvel superheroes are, are happy to be uh, of, of viewing. But the point I'm making is that I couldn't have work colleagues on that level. We were mates at work, but not outside of work because it, society doesn't allow that. Sure. Yeah, do you get that? Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, <clears throat> and it just it felt odd and weird and awkward, and I didn't want to feel odd and weird and awkward at work anymore. And so, yeah, I went to we opened, I opened Gentlemen and Rogues, and it was and what happened was there, we encouraged this behaviour because there we got we I think as 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 like society we transitioned from men going to Tony and Guy and wanting to spend 60 quid on their hair. And then you had the other guys who spent four pound on their hair and there was no one in between. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to fill that gap of guys who wanted to spend a bit of money on themselves, but also be in a barber shop. Yeah. But what we created <clears throat> was this massive monster of guys who wanted to come and just vent and be, it wasn't, and it wasn't productive it was just very toxic and it got worse and worse. And it was like a cancer because it was every guy that came in was like another stick of, of nicotine and it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I was playing out this role every day of this, you know, top banter guy 
who was, you know, yeah, 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 lads, lads, lads. And actually deep inside me a little bit was dying every time I walked in the barbershop. Mm. And I thought, I relate to that. And I, and I was doing 12 hour days and I was emotionally, spiritually and physically knackered. And, and I had to leave. And so we opened a second barbershop and I said, I don't want, I'm not taking anyone with me. I want to take a whole new team. And we opened and it was like, well, they called it the dad's version of that, of the other shop. And it was, it was all middle-aged guys coming in who actually wanted just to have a little break, have a chat and actually talk about the stuff sort of we're talking about now. Yeah. Mm. And it's like everything, isn't it? You know, like attracts like, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, of course it does. Yeah. And it's that, it's that universal thing. So that's what that barbershop became. And then, through one reason or another, I felt that it was time to then change and just do my own thing. And that's when the hairy palm came about. And um, that's been, that's been doing, going a year. But, you know, the all us men thing really came about the fact that I was recognising how much misogyny and the culture of young men was still so toxic towards women. But then... You know, I don't watch, and I'm sure you, you know, John and Simon, you don't watch these things on telly, but, you know, there's stuff on telly now, you know, there's an abundance of programs now that are just, you know, what do you look like based on how will I fuck you? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's the remit of most shows that are on ITV2 now. You know, um, you know, marrying people the first time you see them, you know, shoving people on an island and wanting to fuck each other and all that sort of stuff. Mm. It's all it's all based on what you look like. And that that culture seeps through into our towns and it seeps through into our schools and it seeps through into our homes. And what I hope is with all us men is when I say to all the guys at the end of most meetings, I say, guys, we're ambassadors not just for men, but for well-rounded human beings. Mm. See yourself as an ambassador. Take yourself from this meeting today, walk home, and when you go to your next job or where you go next, you walk in that room as an ambassador of a well-rounded human being who happens to be in a man's body and see how that makes other people respond and react to you because what generally you'll find is the people who you've who have been trying to get you on that banter train they'll 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 slip away really yeah quite quickly they'll just disappear Mm. yeah they'll wreck you don't have to i always found like there's certain people you need to call out and you know there's certain things that people will say and you'll say man that's just that's not cool yeah it's really not cool but what I've decided is not to really call people out on it. I, what I do now is if I've got someone in my chair and they'll say, well, yeah, of course, well, that's what they do, isn't it? That's what they do, referring to a culture of people. I'll say, oh, that's interesting. Explain to me what you mean by that then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Can I get them to break it down for me? Break it down for me. What, you, what, you, what, what do you mean by they? Like what, what's, you know, t- tell, me, tell me what that process is. Not, oh, mate, come on, that sounds like this. Because all you're doing, all I, all I find that I will do with somebody is instantly the, the drawbridge goes up 
and yeah. get their backs up. Well, because they feel shame, don't they? They're at that of point, they feel like you're shaming them, and therefore, what happens when you feel ashamed? You you cut down. You you, you build a brick wall around yourself and stop people from from penetrating it. Yeah, you know. And then, so to get someone to explain why they feel that way, and you know, at the end of the day, if someone has been brought up to believe a certain type of person, whether they be based on their way that they look or the way that they live their life is is not part of our you know our, our normal existence and, and there should be a, a on the fringe of life if that's how they've been brought up then explain to me explain to me that's how you've been brought up and then we can have a proper mature well-rounded conversation about that but i can't mm, yeah. we can't engage we can't engage if instantly you feel triggered and shamed we're going nowhere absolutely we're going nowhere on, you know, we're on a road to nothing. And when people sit there and they do try to explain, generally they explain them, them their way around to the point where they realize what they're saying doesn't sound very conducive with the, the fact that they live in 2021 and it's not 1971, mm. <laughs> you know, you're not, you know, you're not Alf Garnet. You know, <laughs> for anyone who any, for anyone who's under thirty, out you need to Google Alf Garnet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But we're not, so it's all good. Yeah. That's all good. So yeah, yeah. so so fun, fundamentally, that was that's what I found in the barbershop is that I had to just be true to myself. And then, you know, you probably heard this phrase before, you guys, and other people who are listening to it probably heard this phrase before. But I like to work on the premise of now nowadays is. You know, if everybody I know is in a room and I walk in, what version of me do I be? Yeah. You know? If all the guys in that barbershop over there and all the all my friends and my family and my neighbours and my wife and my in-laws and everybody that I know, my doctor, and, you know, and my bin man, everybody that I know, everybody that I communicate with on a verbal basis, if they're in one room and I walk in, what version of that of me can greet them, and it has. Yeah. To, and the more authentic you are, the more honest with yourself you are, the easier that question is. Yeah, because the question, yeah. the answer to that question is, well, I'm just going to be me, aren't I? Mm. Because I can be me to all those people if I'm not playing a role. Yeah, if I'm constantly playing a role. Hundred percent, being a character to make those people feel comfortable about who I am, then I'm going to be exhausted all the time because I have to remember mm. that I can't say that to this person. I have to remember I can't do this. But if I have to remember all these things, I have to then t- question myself and go, "Why am I making other people feel uncomfortable? What is it about me? What is it about my character type? Am I being respectful?" Am I being compassionate? Am I being truthful? You know, am I being non-judgmental? Am I being those four things? And if I'm triggering people that are around me and I'm upsetting people around me, I'm probably not being one of those. I'm probably not being those four things. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, probably not being compassionate towards myself or to them. And I really have started to believe that as I've got older, it's not because I don't give a shit. It's because I do give a shit. Yeah. Mm. 
you know, you hear people when they get older, you go, well, I'll get older, you know, I'll stop giving a shit and you know what people think about me. I'll just do what I want. Actually, really, you should flip that. And Byron Katie would say that, you know, you should flip it, flip that statement. Mm. Actually, you do give a shit about what people think because you're compassionate and loving. And if you're compassionate and loving and caring, then you should understand the impact that you have on other people around you. And if you understand the, um, that you as an individual are very impactful on everybody that you meet, you can fundamentally change someone's day, week and life by meeting them for a very short space of time. If you, we can, that happens to us all. I've met people that have changed me completely just by being with them for a very short time, whether they know it or not. But you know, you, you say it as well with, you know, you see certain people that are so compassionate within the, the media and that mm. comes across that, you know, crosses those boundaries. Like the person that I always think shows it really wonderfully is Brené Brown. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, you can just listen to her talk about anything, but she's so honest and vulnerable and compassionate with her take on life that it sort of doesn't matter how you're hearing. You could be seeing her on a TED talk or on TV or whatever, and it comes across and you feel like you genuinely want to connect with her. And you, more to the point, you have connected with her mm. through a screen because she's that, that person. There's three people that I take to bed with me, and that's apart from my wife and my dog. Yeah. Um, mm. I was going to say, I'm jealous. I'm tired <laughs> just thinking about that, bro. <laughs> I've got a big bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's what you said. I thought we were getting back into like gentlemen's and rogues banter. I've got like an average bed, bro, <laughs> but it serves me. It's circular, circular, it vibrates and spins around. Yeah. You've got to put 20p in it every two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 20p? How old are you, John? How old are you? We know he's the oldest of us. Yeah, well, yeah. he, he, phoned, he phoned me from the phone box the other day. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, why are the bloody books in this place now? Yeah. What's this screen? Yeah, there's, three, there's, three, there's three people that I like to take to bed with me, and that's either Brené Brown, yeah. um, Audible, um, Tit Natch Hun. Yeah. Mm, my 95 years old, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. He just turned like five, and he yeah, or, amazing. Um, or yeah, or Urquhart, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Those three, I put on Audible, and I put on my timer. You know, thirty minutes. I'll never make it thirty minutes. It's but you know, it's like it's like I always think of it as like that episode from Friends when um, Chandler's getting Joey to make him a make him or no Joey's getting Chandler to make him a sandwich. Right? <laughs> the subliminal, yeah. The self-help, the self-help tapes. You will make me a meatball sandwich. <laughs> and then he laughs and he <laughs> buy, me, buy me new pants. <laughs> and that's how I think of it. I think if I, if, if I go to bed listening to that as opposed to watching an episode of The Walking Dead and then going straight to sleep and wondering why I have murderous nightmares um mm. uh then which my wife is obsessed about um walking dead and i've tried to sort of neutralize that out of my life <laughs> um the you know the yogic in the in the yogic tradition in the um ayurvedic tradition you know your diet is everything that you take inwards yeah. through everything so it's what you see what you hear what you smell what you taste what you put on your skin um that's all your diet and so it's to get that balance 
to get that balance in your life, you have to understand that, you know, if I'm eating good food, but I'm watching porn every day, that's not a great balance. If I'm, if I'm, couldn't agree more, brother. You know, if I'm, if I'm listening to really heavy '90s hip hop, which I love, but is not the sort of message I want to be listening to. Really, if I'm listening to Kirtan, I'm watching TED talks, I'm reading good books, I'm eating a well balanced diet, and I'm putting non-animal products on my skin. Then my entire diet. Everything that I'm taking inwardly is doing me the world of good. And I'm, I feel in balance. And I think that's the whole, for me now, just finding that balance, finding that authenticity. And when, my, when I walk into that room with all those people, I can just show up. Yeah. I can just show up. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful, brother. Yeah. Uh, do you know what, what's interesting from my point of view as well is, what you said about that, that people can impact you when they're not even with you for very long. Mm. Dude, I would say you fit into that category as well. You know, you came to, to the men's circle, to, to my Dharma group, and you gave a little bit of Dharma. You know, I asked you, I kind of put you on the spot too. <laughs> and what came from you was organic, it, the authenticity like shone through beyond belief. And that touched the people within my group. And they all hold you in high regard. And I'm no, not, it's not good. about blowing smoke at your ass, but that yeah. is the truth that people see you, they hear you. And it's no surprise that you, you don't take all as men as you. I understand that you, you see it as everyone and you're not egoic with, with it at all. I, mean, I say that genuinely, but it's you that started, it's you created, and it's you that's given it the energy and the, the life that holistic life that it has to it because people see you and, and people honor you in that. And so, yeah, Thank You're you. in that bracket, brother. Mm. Genuinely. Well, thank you. My hat doesn't fit now. <laughs> <laughs> My head's... Well, yeah, but you're an arsehole as well. I'm giving you the yin and the yang. You know what, man? So, it, we could, you know, we can all be an arsehole, can't we? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've all got them, so it's yeah. all good. But I wanted to ask you as well because obviously you just you've said about the you know the three things you take to bed. Like we've spoken before about daily practices, and like I think it's really I'd be interested to hear. I mean, I know. To, to be honest a lot of what you do anyway but I think for people listening to know like I mean you, you've highlighted things and I couldn't agree more what you put into your body the stimulus that you have there's it you know we can all like music we can all do the, the kind of the the junk food of whatever of daytime tv of anything but I completely agree whatever you align with is what is what you take on board so can you tell us some of your daily practices yeah. things that really nurture your soul I suppose I'll be I'll be honest. Um, so I I can I could easily sit here and give you the the you know the, the version that you all want to hear, but I'll give you the version that's true, which is I, okay, I don't thank you. A, the the only thing that I do on a regular basis is probably scrape my tongue and go for a poo, <laughs> and then everything else from that point onwards is um i don't i don't do them simultaneously because that's a bit weird that'd be grim is that's it's really grim multitasking um, is overrated as well there's two, <laughs> two grim things to do anyway yeah. but um everything else from that really has has to be organic because i had a, i had a very tight regime 
And the, what I found from that regime was that it made me feel constricted mm. and it made me feel restricted. And then I started to resent it because yeah. I was making myself do it. And then it didn't feel wholesome anymore. Right. And so, you know, getting up at five in the morning, you know, doing my meditation, doing some stretches, doing some movement, you know, um, drinking my hot lemon water, going down to the beach for a swim, coming back, you know, showering and, and then, and then, you know, coming home and reading a chapter of a good book or listening to a podcast or whatever it might be. And then in woven into that, obviously, you know, I have a seven years vegan now. So, you know, I, you know, no refined sugars, no caffeine. That is all fucking bullshit because I'll do all of that. <laughs> I'll do all that and I'll do double that and half that. So that was my regime. You know, that was my regime to make sure I, I, I pinpointed every, every tick the boxes. Eh? Yeah. Every, you know, what does a good, what does a good boy do? You know, and tick. The boxes. <laughs> what, does, what does someone spiritual do? uh, how do i how do i get more spiritual you know um and how do i get my you know i i sort of think of it as like a you know the mcdonald's badges with all the stars on them and someone's got (laughs) yeah you know if if i'm more enlightened than you i've got three stars and you've only got two and that's reason the reason why is because i get up 4 30 and i chant for an hour and a half with my mala beads and you don't so i get yeah but what happens is if I get up at 4.30 every day for a month, I am a miserable C-U-N-T because <laughs> I'm naked. Because, because I also live a normal human life, which is I go to work every day and I have mm. children and I have grandchildren and I have friends and I have family and they all want a little bit of you. So I felt that it wasn't, it wasn't viable, you know. Like, look, if, guys, if I was on a mountainside in the Himalayas, brilliant i had no had no responsibilities only me to take care of and only me to worry about fantastic but if you at half past seven at night want me to cut your hair and not be a miserable bastard (laughs) i'm not going to be getting up at 4 30 in the morning to chant for an hour and a half and my favorite saying and my wife always says it's my favorite saying is i'm a human being having a human experience yeah and i agree yeah I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's a, you know, and we're here, we, we chose, my belief is we chose to come here. We chose to have these bodies. We chose to have this existence for whatever reason. And I always believe the harsher your existence, the more enlightened you are anyway. You know, if you chose to come into a body that had issues, if you chose to come into a situation where it was, was, there was trauma is, and this will be, it's a bit way out there and maybe triggering for lots of people. And I'm sorry if it is, but, I, this is my belief and I truly believe that those souls are more enlightened because they've come mm. into a situation to grow and to learn. Yeah. You don't learn from being coming into a, a rich family and having everything materially given to you and then you have all the options in the world. Maybe you do learn a few lessons, but when you come into austerity and harsh living and lots of things that are against you in your life in lots of different angles, you have to learn to move through them and when we learn to move through things we grow yeah so that's that's where i come from with that i've got a good friend of mine chris friend out in northern ireland and um 
whenever whenever these difficulties come up and I chat with him, he just reminds me. And he says the same thing every time, and I re- resonates all the time. And I'll say it to other people, but it's we're built for this shit. That's why it gets thrown at us sometimes because we're built for it. You know, yeah. we we can take it where others can't. Yeah, and this is it. And I think that's that whole human being for a human experience, you know. And so, you know, so I do get up in the morning and I do scrape my tongue and then I do have a food and I do have a lemon water. That's basically, but after that, I, I allow I allow there to be an organic flow to my day. If I feel like I'm going to have a piece of toast, then I have a piece of toast. If I feel like I'm going to fast till 11.30, then I fast till 11.30. But I think, for me, you know, apart from those three things that I do in the morning, really, I try to, I try to just move with what's happening in my day. You know, yeah. and if I'm getting up at six in the morning to go for a swim, and I know that I'm working till nine o'clock that night, I don't want to be doing anything but resting my body. You know, I don't. I don't want to do an hour and a half of yoga before going to work. I I want to. I want to sit and you know have a smoothie and just you know and, and relax. And I think that's the thing is I think is I think we always think there's a lot of doing, and you know I think we, what we, yeah. we need to you know we we always think that rest is like a a bad word you know and mm. like it's laziness isn't it yeah yeah we're kind of, we, which is ridiculous kind of been into it, all you do yeah you know it's like it's only lazy if that's all you do it's like yeah. people who it's like bless my mum my mum hasn't worked for a long time and she says she'll say to me oh i'm going on holiday with my my sisters and i'm like what do you mean a holiday so we're all going on holiday okay we don't do anything mum what are you having a holiday from <laughs> You're just doing the same thing, just in a different environment. <laughs> that's not a holiday. That's a change of scenery. <laughs> you know? Brilliant. So, I love it. Yeah. Uh, just a little change of tack, just because I've I got to ask you this, dude. I mean, I, I love the sea swimming. I've been, again, mirroring you. I think you probably started a little bit before me, but we both live in beautiful seaside towns. Yeah. Um, I sea swim, no wetsuit throughout the year. What the fuck's the deal with speedos, brother? <laughs> Man, you know what the budgie thing came about? Wearing budgies came about. We we were talking about body confidence, and um, I've never been confident with my body. And um, sure, as kids, we were always told to cover up all the time. With always a lot of like, there's six kids. I was one of six, and one girl, five boys. So there's no willies wandering around the house. Okay. So the body, the body was covered up day and night, you know, from your pajamas to your towel wrapped around you to your clothes. You know, there was no fresh skin anywhere. And I was always that guy that, you know, I go on holiday and I'd be in, in the swimming pool with a T-shirt on, you know. And people would say to me, well, why have you got a T-shirt on? Oh, because I burn, I burn really quickly. And it wasn't. It's because I, I had shame about my body. I didn't like the way it looked. I've never liked the way my body looked. And I think over the years, I've just realized it's just a vehicle. And um, all vehicles, if you've had them for a while, they'll have bumps and scrapes and scratches. And, you know, and the analogy that I like to use is that, you know, um, you know, we're all vehicles. We're all cars. Choose the car that you are. Yeah. And that's your body. Your mind is the engine. 
Without the engine, it's not doing anything. Without your mind, it's not doing anything. Without your brain, it's not doing anything. And your spirit, your soul, the entity, the essence of who you are is the driver of that vehicle. Okay, you take the vehicle, you take the essence of that out of the vehicle, the vehicle just does nothing. Sits there, stationary, rots, like your body will do if you take your soul out. And when I thought about this, I was like, you know what, it's just, Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the Lamborghini that I was hoping for. But I got given a Fiat Five Hundred, and I'm going to go with it. Yeah. So my little <laughs> Fiat Five Hundred body, body with man boobs on the front, is gonna is gonna rock it. And then, do you know what? I put a pair of speedos on for the first time, and I, 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 I thought, how do I, how do I, how do I get from the shoreline to the sea without anyone really noticing, or do I make a big spectacular thing about it? So I made this big spectacular, and I disrobed. Took my dry rope off and just sort of just let it hang down by my ankles, and everyone just gasped at me, and then and then just went about their business. So, um, but the funny thing I was going to say to John about this, the funny thing is that uh, my friend Stump, who's embraced the budgies as well, yeah, good old Stump. Shout out to you, Stump. We love you, brother. And he's he's great. And David Brown's been wearing them as well, and he's a lover of the of the speedos as well. Good old shout out to David Brown. And so me and Stump. And um, we're down in Devon, and we we were, we've been in the in the water. We had our belly boards, our Dick Pierce belly boards, with us. Um, as we walked out of the water, everybody else had wetsuits on. Absolutely, everyone had wetsuits on, apart from me and him. And we're walking out of the water, and um, Stump said to me, did you, "Did you hear that woman say something to, about us?" I said, "No." He said, as, as we walked past her, someone made a comment about what we were wearing, and she just went, oh, they're probably Australian. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, you nearly were, brother, anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Well, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for being so honest. It's, um, yeah, to, to be honest, I don't think I would have the confidence to, and especially as the water gets bloody cold, so... There wouldn't be much in that bloody speedos for me. So, well, I do. You know what? <laughs> I do. I do ask them if they if they do like a thirty-two waist, but like a child small at the front. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's brilliant. It is brilliant. So, thank you. Thank you. Very <laughs> really appreciate that, brother. And uh, the sea swimming is amazing, isn't it? I can't speak highly enough for that. And what it yeah. does to your mental health. And there's never been a time I've been in the sea. And felt like afterwards, I wish I hadn't done it ever, even when it's been like minus one outside yeah, air temperature. So. 100%. I think that's that whole, you know, I'll regret not going, but I've never regretted going. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think anything that, anything that, anything that makes you feel brave, anything that makes you feel like you're out of your comfort zone is a growth. You know, mm. well, they do have, say yeah. it, they, they do say, don't they? If, if it scares you, then you should probably do it. Yeah, it? yeah. exactly, John. And that's yeah. it, isn't it? Like, you know, no one's got anywhere in their life by being comfortable. No, you know, no, not at being, all. Com- being comfortable is is sitting on the sofa and watching Netflix for the rest of your life. Yeah, you know, when, when you all the things that you look back on in your life that when you think about poignant moments in your life generally they're they're the one they're the things that are extraordinary because they're not part of your normal comfort zone yeah absolutely when you just when you flash back and you go oh god yeah when i did that when i did this you know all the little stories that you have that you know that you would tell 
at a di- around a dinner table, they're all the things that you did whilst you were out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Not mm. no one's ever started a conversation around a dinner table with, oh, I remember this one time when I sat on the sofa, it was really comfortable and I watched this program. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great day. Yeah, the best. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're probably right. Like That's so true. Any anything with a risk involved is generally a reward. You know, I think about my my wife and I when we decided to go home to New Zealand and it was just like we didn't really I mean, I got made redundant about six months before we were due to go. And it was like, Oh shit, how are we actually gonna go now? I've just lost my income. You know, yeah. and, and ended up working part time for the last six months because that's all that was about at the time. But we still managed it. You know, we got back and and we had a uh, you know a few years in New Zealand, and and then we went to Australia and and um, had to put up with a lot of Australians, which is never healthy. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's just it's the whole the whole point of it is that it's an adventure, isn't it? Life is meant to be this adventure in my mind. Of course it is. You know, we're you know, not meant to be sat there watching TV looking at the adventure. We're meant to be living it. Exactly. Exactly. We're not, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to, the way that I look at it is human beings, because of the way that we are, because we have these egos and because we have these big brains, we always think that we're the voyeur of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't, go on safari to be part of nature we go on safari to watch the animals yeah. we don't go we don't go to find whales and dolphins to be part of the ocean we go there to see the dolphins and see the whales and watch them playing out what <laughs> they're playing out yeah what we don't what we forget is when you pull back from that picture we're part of that scene we're part of that narrative that's going on we're not separate mm. from we're part of yeah and that's the whole thing about life is when you recognize that you're not watching the world go by you're not watching everyone else's lives playing out you're still you're part of that if you're in a group of people and you're observing everybody like you would you're still part of that narrative you're not separate from you're part of yeah, and we we're part of nature. We're part of of the planet. We're part of the solar system. We're part of the galaxy. We're part of the universe. We're not separate from it because our egos tell us that we're these wonderful beings that created everything. That and we're just sitting there watching everything play out. No, mm-hmm. we're not. We're not watching it. We're not the watchers of that. We're we are players in the game. Yeah, and we're part of. Mm. Yeah, it, it, I like, that's some beautiful dharma. Yeah, brother. absolutely. Thank you. Mm, and it, I, I'm pretty sure it was Brené Brown that was that she talks about it in one of her, her her conversations about getting in the game. Yeah, you know, you you can't have an opinion on it unless you're playing the game. No, you know, and it, I think maybe that's the the yeah. I I, I kind of look at the the people these days, and I don't know, if you if you go to a concert. This is my best example of it. And you're at a concert, and you're there. And I don't get my phone out at a concert if I can help it. Yeah. And everybody else is watching it through, uh, you know, a six-inch screen. Yeah. Well, what's the point of being there then? You may as well yeah. stay at home and watch it on the telly on the 30-inch screen, you know? Yeah. I know. But that, mm. that kind Joe of – Joe Rogan's yeah. um, Netflix special, um, he, he, he makes a point when you – I watched it the other day – and uh, he makes a point of saying, you know, he makes a statement about, you know, the reason why you all haven't got your phones is because you're 
you're here yeah. to listen to, to me talk. Yeah. And he he removes their phones from them when they when they come in. You're having phones brilliant. away from you. Yeah. So you're actually taking notice of what's happening in your surroundings. Yeah. You know, not not fit, touching your leg and waiting for the yeah. vibration. You know, or ah. someone takes at me. You know, be present. Yeah. Be in the fucking moment. You know. Yeah. My, you know, there's elements that happen. Like I, where I live, I live in in Northamptonshire, and I live in the in the countryside. So for somebody from New Zealand who's grown up on the beach, I'm really fucking landlocked. Um, yeah. But uh, there is some benefits, and my wife and I every now and then we'll drive to work and we'll see a deer, mm. like a baby deer, just on the side of the road, or you know. And at those moments, not neither of us reach for a phone to get a picture or anything like that. It's a bit like that scene in Stand By Me. Yeah. You know, in, Stand, in the movie Stand By Me, when he's out and he sees the deer and he, he says, yeah. and he, he never tells the other guys. And, that. and it's exactly like that. And it's because it's for you, it's yours and yours alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the same with, with music. When I go and see a band play and I'm watching somebody play, I'm there for that, that, that whole atmosphere and excitement and presence of it. I don't want to watch it through a six-inch screen. I want to watch it through my eyes and <clears throat> feel it and then take the memory with me, mm. you know? And yeah, I don't need beautiful. to record the memory. The memory is mine. Exactly. Yeah. The funny thing for that for me is it's like when you see a full moon, yeah. if you get your phone and take a photo of it, never looks it right. never to me can give you the magnitude of no. this fucking awesome thing. And so you really don't have to document it. No. You know, you know you're going to get that every month. And there's such beauty in that, in just looking at the power of that beautiful moon without the need to, to photograph it. That's yeah. it. That's and a I, great analogy there. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the scary thing for me, and you, you've kind of highlighted it anyway, is the whole phone buzzing in your pocket. Like, we're losing the ability to do any one thing on its own, you know, I'm watching Netflix. I mean, I don't watch Netflix. I don't even have it. I don't have any of those things. I don't even have a TV. But, you know, you're, you're watching Netflix, but you're on your phone. You know, you're you're listening to a, a voicemail or whatever, but still scrolling Instagram. Yeah. Our attention spans are becoming so short. And, I, you know, I, I count myself as this as well. And I'm really trying to be mindful of it and get away from it. But we are losing the ability to just be we're walking in a forest, you know, Tolly says this all the time, walking in a forest, listening to music, that isn't walking in the forest, that isn't the presence of nature, the presence of that this fucking awe-inspiring thing <laughs> yeah. is all around us, but we need to listen to whomever, <laughs> like fucking no effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, walk this way, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Document that, everything as well as we do it, like, oh, look at yeah. the leaf I saw, oh, there's dog poo. Yeah. yeah. And here's yeah. my sandwich. Yeah. Could you imagine that, like, fucking, like, 10, 15 years ago, I'm going to like share with people what I'm eating for tea. Like, could, could you actually imagine that? Or even barbers, like barber life. You don't yeah. get Joe the plumber on flipping. Oh, it's around, a bl- toilet, plumber life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barber life, barber life. Yeah. It's like, I'm so over that bullshit. Oh, I'm so, dude. so over it. You're exhausted by it. Absolutely exhausted. But I, I, the, what you're saying is what I did with my dog. And I always used to use the dog walk and Perry we've had for 14 years, uh, no, 10 years now. And Perry, he's, he's hard work. He pulls and he reacts to dogs and reacts to clouds and fucking leaves and fucking everything. And um, he's just mental. 
a reflection of his owner. And, um, <laughs> so, but the, the point I'm making is that I always used to just see it as a chore. I would plug in, listen to some music, take him for a walk, be looking at my phone. Oh, we've done a shit. Better pick that up. And you know, we'll go on our our, our walk around, and we come back. I take his lead off, unplug, or I might even. St- Still stay plugged in for 10 minutes while I'm wandering around the house and my wife is talking to me and I don't even know she's talking to me and and do you know what I had this moment it was that it's that cartoon it was on some social media I saw it on social media a a couple of years ago I saw it it's the cartoon of the man sat on the bench and the thinking bubble coming from him and he's thinking about his house and his kids and his work and everything and money and all that and next to him is his dog and the thinking bubble in the picture of his dog is just the picture of them sat together. So the dog's mm. in the moment with the guy that he's like out on the walk with and the guy who's with his dog is thinking about everything else. And I thought, do you know what? That's so disrespectful to my sentient being that I share my home with. Like, mm. He loves me like without a shadow of a doubt. And I love him. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for a walk with someone else that I love and plug myself in and completely ignore them. So why am I doing it to my dog? No. So I started, I started taking, making sure I don't take my phone with me. All right. If I get hit by a car, it's going to be ages until my wife finds out, but never mind. (laughs) Um, But you know, I take my, when I go out, even if it's just for a 20 minute run around the block before we go to bed so we can do a wee, it's, I need to be with him. Like, and actually, my connection to my dog is much stronger now over the last couple of years of me doing that than it ever was before. He was always Bavani's dog. And now we have a much stronger bond. As a, And it's, it just shows you, doesn't it, that mm. even someone like a dog, you know, who we think, oh, it's just a pet, it's just an animal. It's not just a pet. It's not just a, It's a sentient being. It's someone, it's, 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 it's a conscious entity that's with me that has a spirit that 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 is connected to everything as well as i am and we're sharing Mm. space and time and i chose to bring him into my world and so i should respect that too as we should do that with everybody that we meet definitely i'm bringing you into my world i should respect it shouldn't i absolutely yeah Mm. it's beautiful yeah. yeah thank you brother thank you well, do you know what it's been such a such a pleasure to talk to you i, I knew it was i be, I mean we've been trying to like for those listening we've been trying to sort this for ages and i've been so excited to, <laughs> to actually to finally get the three of us together and um I'm yeah i mean I'm, hard to pin down I'm really hot i'm sorry <laughs> no no not at all i mean it's 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 just not worked for a number of reasons for all of us but yeah i was gonna say there's yeah. been as much us as it has you at times so I don't need to stress yeah. that, to be honest. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we could make this a five-hour podcast and yeah. we still would have loads to talk about. And maybe, you know, I reckon um, this we might should be our do very another first, one. Yeah, this could be our very first part one. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. I feel like there's so much more we yeah. could talk about. There's so many questions. We haven't um, talked about beards or anything, have we? No, we haven't. <laughs> no, no. Beard, tattoos. Because I was going to bring up... Van life. I was going to bring up your haircut, Mahesh, because I'm kind of envious. <laughs> well, the skull it. Yeah, because, dude, that's what I'm going for as well, you see. It's coming Boom. along. So Look at that. Yours is way longer than mine, though, so I'm kind of jealous. I'm not going to lie. So 
Well, but you were my inspiration. Was I? Yeah, for sure. Because like, <laughs> coming from New Zealand, the mullet is our national haircut. Well, of course. You know, and we're very proud of it. And um, a shout out to my friend Sarah, who's a barber in New Zealand, and she'll be really, really like um, stoked on that I'm growing one because she she's a super supporter of the mullet. And because um, I'm thinning a little on top, um, I was going to like, oh, you know, and I've shaved my head for so many years. I was just like, oh, what can I do differently? And then I was on social media, and boom, there you were with your with your beautiful mane. And I was like, fuck yeah. Stump started growing one. Yeah. I've tried to get almost everybody at the warehouse where I'm working with a barbershop, almost everybody there has tried one or trying one. And then my, our friend Marky, Marky Bear, he's a beautiful guy and amazing yogi. And um, I'm trying to, we're, we're desperately trying to convince him to have a mullet, but he's, he's, not having, <laughs> he's just not having it. Davey's got one as well, hasn't he? Davey rocks oh, it out. Davey has got the most luscious. Sickest. Yeah. He's got the most luscious, thickest mane of mulletness. He's And he, do you know what? I will say a little shout out to Davey as well, because he, um, uh, he's an amazing artist as well. So, yeah, mm. it's he's he is fantastic. Uh, you should check out his work. It's uh, amazing. Yeah, actually, maybe when when we plug this podcast – like we'll we'll put a little shout out to him yeah. underneath it. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll link it in because yeah, yeah, he's such a beautiful person. D- to be honest, everyone through all us men has been beautiful. Yeah, I just there was no one I didn't resonate with. Yeah, so. I feel so lucky to be surrounded by fully so many beautiful men, and it's so nice and healthy to say that. You know, to say that men are beautiful, and yeah, we you know that I'm not talking about the way people look. I'm talking about the essence of them. Yeah. <clears throat> which is what we see we we see beyond yeah. it don't we of course um, yeah before before we we wrap everything up and so Mahesh, if anybody wants to to connect with you in regards to all us men how would they go about doing that yeah so we've got um probably the best place is the instagram which is just uh all underscore us underscore men and then there's a all us men new zealand and all us men germany um there's two guys out there doing doing their thing too. Um, that's in its infancy at the moment, but that's what they're doing. Um, and then we have a Facebook page, and then there's a link to there is a web page as well. Hasn't got a lot on it. Yeah. Um, but I want to, if it's okay, I just want to just very quickly just say that um, old guy, old guys rule. I've just today, uh, the first of November, just released um, a T-shirt. Um, in collaboration with all us men, oh, amazing! Um, Dude, all the profits from the T-shirt are going to Movember, to Prostate Cancer UK, and um, it's going to Mind Charity as well. So amazing! Split the profits between the three—that's so good. Such brother. good stuff. It's a really, really cool uh, design, and they've done a really—you know—they liked what we were doing. I liked what they were doing. Like what they were all about, and um, it's taken a months and months and months to get this sorted but it's just in time for November awesome. really so that's really I'd, good we'd like to just give a shout out to old guys rule that you know they on their website um and on the links and stuff to all us men you'll find the t-shirt and you can have a little look at it and see if you like it but you know it's 
the hundred percent of the profits will be split between those three charities. That's brilliant. So, um, you know, okay. all of them, perfect. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, that's just, really really good. We're just sort of you know just trying to shout out about that. So um, if we well, we'll share that as well. Absolutely, when we, um, yeah. When we release, when we promote yeah. this. Which yeah. I was, uh, so well done by the yeah, way of sorting that. That's brilliant, amazing. So I mean, I, I'm I'm a real advocate for for the retreats and everything. So Mahesh, here's my open invitation for the next New Savage retreat. We'd love to have you. I'd love to come. Brilliant, It'd be wonderful. Yeah, It'd be amazing. When 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 is it? Do you know? Well, we were hoping it was going to be this month, but we had venue issues. Um, so it'll probably be the new year now. Okay. Yeah, but we'll keep you in the loop for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Make sure. Brilliant. Well, give me a bit. Of, give me some notice, and I can make sure I can put it in my diary. Absolutely, we'll do, buddy. Thank you for Thank sure. You. Brilliant. Um, usually, I do a Buddhist prayer to finish, but do you want to lead us in anything? I mean, if you don't want to, I can do it. It's up to you. Oh it's, no, it's your, it's your home. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and let you finish. And okay, I'm, I'm, Thank I'm you. gonna well, sit in your glory. thank you well once again you know thank you thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and um yeah you inspire us brother absolutely ditto it's the same 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 so thank you and we're you know we're all doing the same thing it's all about the love yeah really sure so thank you again may any goodness that comes from our practice be shared outwards in all directions and together may we create a positive change on this planet Thank you, brother. Thanks, we love always. you. Yeah, Lots of love. much appreciate. Take care, bye. Yeah, thank you.